Hi everyone, it's Gigi here. How are you? It's been a minute since I've done a podcast. If you are new here to the Successful Failure Podcast, welcome. Thank you for joining us. And if you are a returning listener, it's fantastic to be back and to reconnect with you. I've been really thinking about the direction I wanted the podcast to go in. And the good news for fans of the show is that we are going to stay with the format that we have in talking about the failures often behind the successes that we put forward on our resumes and online and even when we're writing books and on stage and leading as experts in our field. People want to hear about our successes, right? Well, I also find that not only are we vulnerable when we share our failures, when we share our failures, those are really the places and the spaces where the learning moments occur. And I think if we're going to lead and therefore educate and make things accessible to people, which many of us really want to do in in terms of leadership in our fields, then we need to share those learning moments. And that comes from sharing our failures. So for the successful failure, we're going to be doing all of that and more right here. Something I am playing with with the format is I'm going to be recording and releasing a series of shows on a certain topic and releasing them all at once so that you can choose to binge them one right after the other. Definitely consumable and something that you can just listen to back to back in that Netflix binge style that we've grown accustomed to love. So those are the changes here. I hope you guys enjoy them and we're going to kick off our first topic, which I'm calling the failures of fear. And let's take a step back, especially for our new folks. Why the successful failure? Well, a couple of reasons. I was extremely frustrated by the fact that people were going online and putting up their great food porn pictures and talking about all of the things that went well. And I wasn't begrudging anybody any of that. I think that's great. It's fantastic. Of course, you want to share your successes. But there seemed to be a time, probably 2012, 2013, where it felt like all I was seeing were people's successes. And the more more I saw other people's back to back to back successes, the more I felt really bad for having a spate of failings in my life. And of course, because we're not stagnant creatures and as the earth rotates, we too move and change in our lives. Inevitably, I'd come out of those failures and I'd be in a completely different place and often a more successful one than I would have been in had I not kind of messed up and had those experiences. So it really struck me that part of our resilience as human beings is that we can bounce back from these things that really are gut punches and can totally level us, right? I mean, how many of you guys have had just a failure that you thought was going to end your career or end your relationship or really went left when you should have gone right or vice versa and run into a wall? that was so big you thought you would never get over it or around it. Those things happen. But as I was learning, part of the resilience of being human meant that not only did we continue to get up, not only did I continue to get up, but I would really learn from what had just happened and it armed me to go forward in a way that I never would have thought to move. You know, necessity is the mother of invention while failure is the mother of success as far as I'm concerned. So I was thinking about the failures brought on by fear. And I think for me, and maybe for you guys, it really is the case that a lot of the things, a lot of the areas where I've really messed up, 
have come from fear, often fear of comparison to other people, fear of not being good enough. You know, stop me if it sounds familiar, right? And I got to thinking about how fear has affected how I own and share my story in the past. And really in thinking about clients that I've worked with, when they're not owning their badass storytelling, and when they're not putting themselves out there in a way where they can really connect with the people they're meant to connect with. It's often stemming from fear. So I thought this would be a great topic to kick off our series of binge podcasts. Something that I did the other day, and I really almost never do this, but I decided a little while ago that I was going to look at every Facebook memory that was put in front of me for a solid week, for seven days. Now, usually Facebook memories would pop up and I'd look at a picture here or a post there, but I decided for every memory I was going to go through it and do this for a series of seven days. And it wasn't without purpose. I really wanted to take a random week and sort of catalog how I had presented myself for that week and then look at it in the bigger aggregate and see how I had been presenting my brand and what that said about not only the arc of my brand. Was it true? Did the outside match the inside? Did the posts match the mission statement, but also just to see, um, has my brand changed and, and was there something that was going on that was maybe preventing me from owning my story? Was I putting the best foot forward? So this was a great way. I mean, Facebook has a ton of information about me. I've shared and overshared so many things. I might as well take their data collection and use it for my benefit. So there were days that I had over 20 memories and there were days that I had five and I went and I looked and I looked and really what I noticed was that I had curated a brand really based on motherhood, which was kind of interesting. You guys can hear me turn my page and look at my notes. But my, my brand was really all about motherhood. And, you know, yes, I had launched back at around the same time, the same snapshot in time that I was looking. That was the same time that I had launched Mother's Little Helper and really thought I was going to do a documentary and do a lot of things about being a single mom. So I was aware that being a single mom permeated everything I was, but it certainly wasn't my brand as a consultant. And yet so many of the posts, I mean, really 95% of them were all about being a mom and the trials and tribulations and funny stories and everything else that went on inside the four walls where I live. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting because I don't have a motherhood brand. I, I don't make products for moms. I don't have services that are just geared to moms. What compelled me to be so focused on it in that moment in time? And then when I telescoped out as I intended to do and looked at the bigger picture, I saw that so much of what I share was about being a mom. And I really wanted to not only kind of meditate on this, quite frankly, because I don't know about you, but meditation helps me clear my mind and get some insights that I would not otherwise get. So I wanted to meditate on it, but I also wanted to really dissect it as I want to do and and try to figure it out because now I had a puzzle in front of me. And if I could figure out the emotional motivation behind the action, then I can, I guess, rank it on a scale of how how I got to that. I could just figure out how I got to that. I thought I would have some place good to go. And really what I came to was I was in the midst when I look at everything else going on in my life. I was in the midst of a serious case of imposter syndrome and imposter syndrome. For those of you not familiar with it, if you're not familiar with it, kudos to you. That's fantastic. If you are familiar with it by 
association or otherwise. Imposter syndrome is when you you just feel like it's just what it says. You feel like you're posing. You feel like you're lying. You feel like you're faking it until you make it, perhaps. And that's regardless of the credentials that you have, the work you've achieved, anything else. And it certainly was the case for me. I'd taken a few knocks and had a series of really big highs in my career and really big highs often come with really big lows. And here I was in the midst of this low, dealing with this really serious case of imposter syndrome. And, and the conclusion that I came to, and where this all stems from, the failures of fear, was that I think I gravitated to the motherhood post because being a mom is pretty irrefutable. Like when you're a mom, you're a mom. And, you know, we can discuss the ins and outs of imposter syndrome, of whether or not we feel like, as parents, for those of us who have made that choice, whether or not we feel like, we're good parents or we're just faking it. There's a whole new level of imposter syndrome there, but these posts, they weren't necessarily all about the, oh, I'm doing great or, oh, I really suck. They were really more matter of fact posts about just being a mom. And I wasn't faking it. And it was a part of my life that I could kind of cling to. And I think I went there because of that. So I think the failure, the failure of fear drove me there and the failure, let's say it this way, a better way to say this is the failure that fear created is while it's super fun to have those memories and look back on that week and, and the weeks surrounding that time at all those mom posts, I notice a pattern of really the last decade that when I get into a fear-based place, I lean really into being a mom and I lean into not only doing the work, but into sharing that aspect and it becomes an overwhelming security blanket. But what it does for the folks on the other end, for the thousands of followers on Twitter, or the few hundred on Instagram, and the curated Facebook list that I've created of friends, is that it conditions people to not know what to expect from me because it has a way of undermining my story, right? And it's really taken me a while to get my arms around that and to share things in a consistent way that lets people know who I am, what I do, why I do what I do. And we can certainly go back and look at those pictures of the kids and say, well, this is obviously why. It's a big part of why, but it's it's not all of it. So I started to think even more about fear and to think about what I know about it and, and why I went to this place. And, and there was, again, another pattern here. So if we talk about and we look at, let's take a deeper dive into fear before we can even think about the failures that fear brings on. And I'm sure that you guys can take a step back and, and look in the mirror, or look at your own lives and see where you've had failures due to fear. We often associate fear with fight or flight, right? That's the, let's have a little bit of an anatomy chat here. That's the part of our brain. It's the amygdala. And the amygdala is a just small bundle of nerves, I think in the cerebrum, um, in, in the larger largest part of your brain. And what happens with the amygdala is when we are faced with something that is terrifying, it triggers a response to our nervous system where we actually stand and fight and face it or we run away. If it's if we're facing something really big, fear can be a really good thing. I'm not saying don't ever be afraid. Um, sometimes it's better to run and to hide. But a few years ago, maybe about five years ago, some researchers in England did a research study because I thought, okay, fight or flight, fight or flight. Yeah, that all makes sense and I get that. But what about the paralysis of fear? There's also a fear response where we just freeze and we do nothing. Did you ever have one of those dreams where you open your mouth to scream 
and no sound comes out and you can't move your feet and you know Michael Myers or Jason or somebody scary's coming at you and you're just sure you're gonna die right before you wake up or you're being chased by a bear and you can't move that fear the paralysis response from fear that's another thing that happens I think more often when we talk about and when I looked at these online posts that I was making it would often come after a long period of silence and knowing myself I know that those periods of silence were brought on by fear paralysis so I remember years ago reading about this study from these doctors I think in Bristol in the UK where what they had discovered was in the cerebellum there's a pathway between the amygdala and the cerebellum. And if that pathway gets lit up, what happens is the fight or flight message gets sent down to your cerebellum. And what that produces is this frozen response of being literally frozen in fear. So our brains and our bodies have these powerful reactions to our feelings and to the messages that we tell ourselves. Every feeling starts as a thought, right? Thoughts are feelings, feelings lead to action. Everything starts as a thought. And when we take on these negative thoughts where we're telling ourselves that we're imposters, we can't possibly compare with so-and-so. I had this great achievement in my career, but look, I still got laid off. I obviously wasn't good enough. Again, fight. Well, we're not going to punch our bosses in the face. Flight. Running out of the office. Remember the show, Ally McBeal? Running out of the office. I can totally see that happening. Frozen in fear. Paralysis. Being in those moments where you're having this discussion and you can't, you can't respond because maybe it's taking you by such surprise because maybe you can't activate that fight or that flight and all you can do is freeze. And I think about those frozen in fear responses and the opportunities that I've missed as a result. And there's two schools of thought for that, right? If, if I didn't take the opportunity, well, then it wasn't meant to be. And, you know, we can talk about meant to be, not meant to be, all those sorts of things. Or I didn't take that opportunity and, and who knows where I'd be if I only had, who knows how much better things will be if I only had taken that chance, but I was too afraid. The best thing that we can do as an outcome from that is to really step back and say, why was I so afraid? What truth was I keeping from myself? Because I really believe the picture that, that gets circulated of the spray paint on the wall, the graffiti that just says fear is a liar and fear is only ever gonna tell us lies. So what truth was I keeping from myself that I was so afraid I couldn't move, I couldn't take the action that I knew I wanted to take. And in fact, that was the first failure of fear, was believing that I couldn't do the thing that I loved because it wasn't going to provide the stability that I needed. When in fact, when we do what we love and what we're good at, that does nothing but create stability, abundance, more joy, more work, more connections. It's the path. And I think the first failure of fear was my forgetting that. And really the ultimate success that has come as a result is that even when things are tough, I know that the way forward is not to trade in doing this thing that I am absolutely crazy about, which is coaching and consulting. Because by staying true to this, 
and remind people why I do what I do and sharing that why, really owning that story and sharing that emotional part of my why, that's where it's at. I set the parameters and I create the dreams and I'm the one fulfilling them, not only for me, but for everybody that I help and I'm so close to it, I see the results immediately. That's just fantastic. Nothing else compares to that. And it really is a failure of fear to ever think that I have to let that go.